Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie. Great to have you with us for another edition of Marnie's Friends. And today we are going to be doing a writing training, how to write cash generating copy that sells. Our guest today is Claire Stoddard, and we're going to discover in just a moment why she's the perfect person to teach us about this. But I want you to grab a notepad or some kind of a way to take notes and get ready because during the next hour, you're going to discover what you can learn about copywriting from Bugs Bunny, how the power of words can solve your invisibility problems, how to bust through the boredom factor and really get results, how to achieve 70 to 400% increase in, in conversion rates, how to use the psychology of persuasion to move readers from barely knowing you to liking you and trusting you and buying from you. Also, the secret to preconditioning readers to believe you fast and why you need to use anchor pricing and even what it is. Our guest today is Claire Stoddard. She's the author of Words That Sell, and she writes remarkably profitable sales copy. Claire learned her copywriting skills while working at such companies as ABC TV and Business Week magazine and has spent the last 20 years writing high-powered, cash-generating sales copy for her clients in corporate America. Her website is clairestoddard.com. Claire, and then Stoddard is S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D.com. Welcome to you, Claire. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and it's so great to have you, and this is kind of an interesting topic that we don't, uh, we haven't frequently addressed over the course of the time that I've been hosting this show. We've talked about writing books and different things like that, but not how to write sales copy too much. So maybe, um, you know, your background with ABC TV and Business Week magazine, the kind of sales copy that we're going to talk about today, maybe can you just define it for the listener? What are we talking about? Well, sales copy is anything where you have something that you want to persuade somebody to take some kind of action. And it, 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 is, um, it refers a lot of times to if somebody has a product or a service that they want to sell. But we write sales copy all the time. I mean, sometimes we work for a corporation and we have to sell our ideas or we have to sell our boss on the idea that we should get a raise. And so we are always selling. Sometimes people think, oh, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not in sales. Everybody is in sales these days. And what you need to do is you need to persuade. And the primary way that you can persuade somebody is to put it in writing. Well, I mean, it makes sense that that would carry more weight than just the verbal word. Well, yeah, because that lives forever. And if you, whether you put it on your boss's desk or you send an email, that's the thing that somebody can focus on. And even if, you know, you make a very powerful sales call on somebody, you've got to send a follow-up to that. And there's a lot of very good salespeople who lose sales because they don't do a good follow-up, you know, email or thank you or whatever. Hmm. That's cool. Well, as we go forward, I can already tell that every listener, whether they're into sales or not, is going to really benefit from this hour. So let's go ahead and dive in. And you have actually your first plan is what we can learn about copywriting from <laughs> Bugs Bunny, which is kind of a great thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to back up just a little bit and just say, you know, kind of what I mean by that. As you said, I started out at ABC Television. One of my very first jobs was as a copywriter for ABC Television. And I wrote anything that would sell time on the air. And, and we had a staff of five or six writers, and we all kind of specialized in certain day parts, like sports or news or prime time. Well, my specialty was Saturday morning children's programs or cartoons, or sometimes we called it kids in. And I just loved it. A lot of the other writers kind of looked down their noses at it because it wasn't glamorous. 
But I loved it because I, you know, I just got to be as creative and as silly as I wanted to be. And, and <laughs> the marketing materials that I wrote were things like coloring books and games. And I threw sponsor parties where I had Scooby-Doo <laughs> and R2-D2 there in, in costumes. So, and I'm getting to a point here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you how this, you know, comes to copywriting. There was an additional benefit, and it was more than just having fun. It was kind of the secret gold, which was I got to work with all of the animation studios who are the best marketers in the world. I mean, they're better than IBM or AT&T or anybody. Nobody knows their audience and their product better than Disney, Lucasfilms, Warner Brothers, any of them. What they all do is they spend an enormous amount of time understanding their audience. And their audience is those teens and preteens with the fastest clicker fingers in the world. You know, believe me, you think <laughs> your audience is stuff. Nobody can see mm-hmm. how fast than an eight-year-old. So what they did was they made sure through research, and of course they were able to spend an enormous amount of money on research, but they made sure that they understood their audience right down to did they like little blue caps on their characters rather than red and the kind of ice cream they liked. And Hmm. most importantly, the, the, the kinds of problems and insecurities that these little kids had. And then what they did was for every single character, they made sure they built in things that, that um, you know, were reflective of their audience's experiences. And so, they, you know, their character might wear a blue cap or in their favorite ice cream, and their back-end story always explained what it was they were doing and how they would re- react under any situation. And they had what they called a Bible about every single character so that they never got off model. So what this, now the lesson that I took with me and that I applied even when I went on to Business Week magazine and some other companies where I was working at a very corporate level, the moral in this story is that you have to know your, your customer, you have to know your audience, and then match your brand and what it is you're writing about to your customer, glorify that match, never deviating in everything you write. And I want to tell you something. I, I work with a lot of um, corporations and marketing directors, and I help them with their copywriting. And I find that even people in marketing have trouble with this because they always want to go back to their product. I mean, this is, I cannot tell you how important this is. If, if people don't take anything away from this call than this, it is so important marketers tend to start with their product. They tend to start to talk about all the features of their in their product and their service and all the things that people are going to get. What you need to start with is your audience, whatever the problem is your audience is having. And then you talk about how you're going to solve that. And that goes whether you're selling something or not. If you, if you tell your boss you want to get a raise, explain, you know, what it is the problem is that they're having in the business and how you solve that problem. So always bring it back to your audience. Number one copywriting secret. That is really great. I mean, I just took a half a page of notes right there. <laughs> that was <so laughs> awesome. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's it's so, um, like, it's really interesting what you just said. You know, they have a character Bible for each for each character, mm-hmm. and they have they to do. stay Stay on model. You know, and, and I yeah. think that that's, like, for somebody like me who does a lot of different things and I kind of find delight in the in the um, variety of it all, uh, it's very difficult to stay on model, you know, because uh-huh. uh, there's so much going on. And that's part of my model, of course, but at the same time, you know, this is just really a great reminder that it's really not about what I'm doing or anything like that. It's about It's about the person I'm serving. And so this is such a great reminder, and I'm sure you guys can think of ways in your own um, communication, too, that you need to be more on target, on task, than, uh, than maybe we have been in the past. You talk about words solving invisibility problems. So first of all, maybe define what an invisibility problem is and then how words can solve it. 
Well, you know, in this day and age in, in marketing, there is so much clutter. And, of course, it's been building and the Internet, and now we've got so many channels of marketing, and it is so hard for brands to break through the clutter. And you can have the greatest product in the world, and if people don't notice you, if your product is invisible, um, you know, you're not going to sell anything. So what you need to do, I mean, words have power. Words, um, words are memorable, but you've got to use the right words, and you've got to continually use them to break through the clutter. It used to be that it took seven, we always said, it took seven touches to get anybody to even notice you, you know, and, and we're talking about email blasts or, you know, snail mail or, or whatever form you're using to reach your customer. And it, took, it would take seven touches. And I, I really think that it's taking more than that now. And, of course, that's mm-hmm. an average. But you've got to be able to break through that clutter. Um, and I, what I usually do is I say that there are three things that you can do to break through this, this invisibility. The first thing is to tell stories. And, I mean, you can hear, I told a story at the very beginning of this. If there is one thing that people are going to take away from this call, I'll bet you they think about the Bugs Bunny woman. You know, that is memorable. That breaks through. That gets people's attention. The first thing you've got to do when you're writing is you've got to get people's attention. People will be walking. You think, I usually think of it like people are walking down a road and suddenly something gets their attention and gets them to turn to the right or to the left. You've literally got to do something to get that much attention. So mm-hmm. I also say that recognition makes for uh, repetition makes for recognition, and the more you tell, the more you sell. So the first thing I don't I can I can go through each one of these things and talk about it a little bit. Um, so certainly the so the first one was the first one was tell stories. The second one repetition for recognition, which is kind of back to that seven or more touches again there. You just you can't just say it once and expect people to retain it. But what was your third one? Uh, the more you tell, the more you sell? Yeah. So yeah. Talk about how that's different from repetition. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, rep- repetition is you're just simply saying the same thing over and over to somebody and you're getting them to um, remember your tagline, for instance. Or I might That's a commercial. Just... <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. Okay. So the thing is, the more you tell, the more you sell. This is when, and in writing, what it is, it's we call it long copy versus short copy. And there's a whole discussion around this. There's a whole controversy about long copy versus short copy. And long copy, the definition kind of, it's fluid, but I would say that, you know, if you get more than two pages of copy, you're certainly moving into long copy. And I'm talking about like a sales letter or an email or a landing page or, you know, something like that. So if you get over two pages, you're moving into long copy. Now, there are some people who say, oh, my God, but nobody's going to read that. They, they won't read it. What we have found, and there's been a lot of research done on this. You know, marketing people do research on everything. Long copy sells better than short copy over and over again. The other thing is the higher the price point, the longer the copy. So when some people say, but nobody is going to read long copy, the fact of the matter is they do read long copy. What they don't read is boring copy. So what right, is or, right. or copy that does not apply to your mm-hmm. to your audience to whoever it is that you're you're writing to? The number one reason that people click out of emails is that the email does not pertain to them. So you can write very very long copy, and and what you do in a piece of long copy is. It's sort of like you put every bit of ammunition you've got in it. You know, you've got the testimonials. You've got the case studies. You've got the, the story. Um, you've got the, you know, you've got the um, 
audience's story, the problem that you're going to sell. And you really don't hold back in terms of the amount that you write. I mean, you write however much you need to write to make your point and to bring everybody to the conclusion and get them to buy whatever it is you're, you're asking them to buy or sign up for your magazine or register for your event, whatever it is you're trying to get them to do. So the longer you write, as long as it's interesting and it pertains to your customer, your reader, um, the more you will sell. Hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I know for me too, if I'm, if I'm looking to invest quite a lot into a, a big program or something like that, I mean, I'm going to read a lot of copy before I'm done. This is Marty Sudberg. We're visiting today with Claire Stoddard on the topic of how to write cash-generating copy that sells. We're going to come right back and talk about how to bust through the boredom factor and get real results and how to achieve 70 to 400% increase in your conversion rates. We'll be right back. across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty, and we are talking today with Claire Stoddard. Her website is clairestoddard.com, Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, and Stoddard is S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D.com. We're talking about how to write cash-generating copies that sells. Claire, as we go into this next segment here, you're going to talk to us about how to bust through boredom factor and get real results. You know, one of the things you just mentioned before break was the use of stories and how powerful that is, and you use the analogy of, you know, somebody's just going down the street, minding their own business, and what are you going to have to do to get their attention? Uh, I, I love that picture of, of needing, it to be, uh, needing it to be big enough to actually pause them from what they're doing, you know, to break them out of their rut or whatever uh-huh. it is to see you. Uh, what are some other ways to think about that particular challenge that every, every, all of us have that? Well, of course, I, I've already mentioned, and but maybe it bears repeating, that you really want to make sure that the words that you're writing have meaning for your audience, which means you have to understand your audience, which goes back to my Bugs Bunny story. But the third thing that is really important, and this is, this is something that I spend an awful lot of time on, and every professional writer who I know spends a great deal of their time on, and it's so important. You have to use words that bedazzle. You have to avoid cliches. You have to really spend time selecting your words, selecting your phrases. Um, I spend a lot of time with dictionaries and, you know, finding synonyms. And I'll, I'll write something and, and, you know, I'll close up for the night and, you know, for the rest of the evening, I'm kind of keeping my inner ear tuned to listening for some phrase that can be used in a little different manner um, that I can bring into my copy to just make it more interesting to people. One of the things that I like to do, because I am kind of a foodie and I love to eat and I love all things food, is I will sometimes use analogies of food in, in ways that, you know, I'll say that it's, a, it's just, it's been a delicious experience, you know, when I'm talking about um, my meeting with my financial advisor. You, you kind of, you try to use, try to find words that you would not normally use under those circumstances, but they have great meaning. You understand exactly what it is you're talking about. The other thing is that I find that people do, and I do a lot of editing of copy as well as, you know, writing my own copy, clarity is really important. Um, And it goes beyond, you know, creative copywriting. What I find that non-professional writers tend to do is they will get lost in their own writing. And one of the first things I have to, invariably, I have to do when I have to edit a piece 
is I have to just track through the pages what it is they're trying to say and reorder paragraphs and sentences for it to make sense. And this is very, very important because I'll tell you, if a reader gets lost in the copy, they get bored and they, they tune out. They don't finish it. One trick that's very, very good after you've gone through all of your, you know, um, editing and proofing and everything like that, the last thing that I always do is I read my copy out loud to myself. That way, and it's, it's, this is really a wonderful thing to do, that way both your eyes and your ears pick up mm-hmm. on any lapses or anything that maybe doesn't make, quite make sense or sounds redundant or, you know, oh, I can get rid of that. I already said that back in paragraph one. That just, that just makes for more, you know, more words. So re- go through everything, you know, write it, then revise it, then edit it, and then read it out loud to yourself. It, try it. It works. Hmm. Yeah, I believe it. I believe that that works. You know, it's kind of like when uh, you have thoughts in your head and you say, someone says, what are you thinking about? And you say it out loud and you've got this problem that you're trying to solve in your brain. And as you say it out loud, what happens is you see it from a different perspective by verbalizing it. And sometimes you solve your own problem in that instance. Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah. You're like, thanks so much. And they're like, yeah, I didn't say anything. Yeah. I sometimes walk down the street talking to myself that way. You and Bugs Bunny, right? People a little <laughs> right, that's so funny. Um, no, that's so true. And too, you know, it's not really on the same topic. But when I'm um, when I have to edit my own work that's going to go in, and I don't have I don't have somebody to read it over for me right then, when it just has to go. Sometimes I do. I read it backwards to catch any typos or anything that jumps out like that. Too that you shows oh. it from a different perspective. Um, yeah, it's amazing how well that works. It, it doesn't seem like it could work, but it does sometimes. I wanted to go back and um, reinforce something that you said earlier and that came up just again now. So before break, we were talking about long copy versus short copy and how when you, when you write more, when you explain more, it increases sales, but long does not equal boring. And I think you, you, know, you touched on this again here. The boredom factor comes in when you start, you know, uh, saying things over again when you you know you have these things that you do that just you know people will click away and so in order to avoid the boredom factor then are there some like number one things that people just do that they aren't even aware of that just trigger um, minds to wonder go away well I think if there's a lack of professionalism um, in something. And, you know, what do I mean by that? I mean, I just looked, somebody just gave me something that they wanted to use and asked me to help them with it. And they're not a writer, and, and that was fine. Um, but they are a speaker. <laughs> they're a professional speaker. And I looked at this piece of writing, and I thought, well, first of all, nobody would get past the first sentence because it wasn't even good grammar. And I am very big on clarity, as you've probably heard. Mm -hmm. I I mean, everybody, you don't have to be a talented writer to make sure that what you're writing is clear from the beginning to the end. And that you have, you know, one, you have to decide what it is your goal is, what is it you want people to do at the very end. And then everything that you write has to go to that goal. And if you possibly can, use same, some of the same words leading to that goal so that then when you get down to that offer or here's what I want you to do, they've heard, you know, they've heard some of those words already. So, for instance, if, if I started out with, with a story, you know, my Bugs Bunny story, and, and I said, and, you know, the moral of the story was you have to understand your customer and then you align, you know, what it is you're writing about your product to your customer. And maybe at the very end I said, you know, and, and what I have created is a product that's going to help you, you know, find, understand your customer better 
and you know, and and then we're going to write the copy that together that reaches that customer, and the price is, and this is how you sign up. Well, the very first thing that I said at the top, my story about Bugs Bunny, and you know, you've got to make sure that you understand your customer and can write to that customer. Now I leave that in at the end, and so you always want to want to remember what is my number one goal. My number one goal is to persuade somebody to do something. And everything that I write, you have to be very systematic. Everything that I write moves you closer to that goal so that at the end, you're not selling. Beautiful way to put it. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next section too here. Uh, so we'll come back to that, that psychology of persuasion and getting people to, to barely know you, to actually like, trust you, and buy from you. Um, you just said it so beautifully, and we're going to kind of dive into that a little deeper. You actually have um, uh, a way to achieve 70 to 400% increase in conversion rate. And at this point, I'd like you to just talk to us about that for a couple minutes. Okay, well, this is something that I read a lot on the psychology of persuasion, as you might have guessed. And there's not a lot on, you know, writing from that standpoint. So what I've had to do is take the psychology that I read about and I've applied it to writing. So what I did was I came up with a persuade process. And it's basically, it's an acronym for the word persuade. And if you lay out a template, you use this as a template. And if you're writing a piece of copy, whether it's short or long, and you follow each, and it's an eight-step process, and you follow it exactly that way, and I've used it now, I use it now, I use it myself. And I've increased um, sign-ups for my webinars, I've increased uh, registrations for my, uh, my newsletter, and I've given it, I've used it for clients, and I've trained other people in it. It works. It is an eight-step process that will absolutely increase sales. And I've experienced it. Sounds like we just lost Claire for a second. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about those, those eight steps. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back with Claire in just a moment. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers. Speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. We are talking today with Claire Stoddard of how to write cash-generating copy that sells. Claire, are you here? I am. Oh, super. Okay. We just lost you right on that last little click there. You were talking about um, sharing with us the psychology of persuasion and how this can increase conversion rates so much. So I'm going to have you start. You're going to give us the um, description of the acronym um, PERSUADE, and I'm going to have you just give us one letter at a time. Uh, tell us what that means, and then we can talk about that, and then we'll go on to the next one. Okay. So the very first one is what we've already talked about, the P is for problem. Your buyer has a problem. What you want to do is you want to start your sales piece with an acknowledgement of that problem. And sometimes when I'm uh, training people on this, I use the example of a dietary product, and I say I might open the piece with, if you are tired of looking in the mirror and seeing all that fat, then this message is for you. So that's their problem, and that is the P. Yep, okay. So, and you know what, when people, when people say, I don't like to start with a negative thing, I just want to start with something positive, what do you say to that? I say you've got to remember, you're, you're, customer is having a problem. You've got to let them know that you understand it because that's the number. 
you're, the person has found you because they have that problem. Maybe that's the way that you, you might think about this. The reason that they are even listening to you, talking to you, opening your email is they have a problem. And the way that you can resonate the best is to just acknowledge, you know, there's this problem. There's nothing negative about that. But, you know, we all have problems. That's awesome, yeah. And I think if you can go back to, you know, this is, okay, so we owned a restaurant for 14 years, just sold it this past uh, February, but people came to our restaurant because they were hungry. So basically, if I were to say, you know, I hate to mention, I mean, I hate to mention to people that, you know, we serve food here, um, that would be a big failure for a <laughs> restaurant, right? But, yeah, I, I don't know, sometimes in marketing, you do, you don't want to start there. You, you want to start, you know, you want to start with the raw restaurant. But the reality is if people don't know if you're the restaurant they want to eat at until they know what you serve. And so I think, I think to start here makes perfect sense to start with the problem. So what does the E stand for? The E is for empathize. What you want to do is you want to let people know that you understand their problem. You understand the pain that they're going to. And you want to help them visualize the consequences of not solving that problem. So, you know, if they don't solve the problem of being fat, um, you know, they might get so they can't get through the door, they can't get out of the bed. I mean, I'm sort of overstating it here, but I really want to, I want you to see how far you can take this. You've got to speak to that person where they are mentally. If they've got a problem, you want to show them that you understand it, you want to empathize with them, and you want to show them the consequences of not solving that problem because remember, what is your number one goal? Your number one goal is you want people to take some sort of action and buy your product or sign up for your newsletter or whatever it is you want them to do. So the best way that you can get their attention is you can speak right to their problem and then show them the consequences of not solving that problem. Okay, so we have P for problem, E for emphasize. What is R? R is revise reality. So you've got their attention now. They were walking down that street. They turned them right because you got their attention. They understand they have a problem. This is resonating with them, and you just now made it worse because you've reminded them what the consequences are of not solving it. And now what you're going to do is you are going to tell them that there is possibly a solution for their problem. This is not where you go into a description of your product. This is a teaser. It's kind, I kind of think of it as it's the paradise that caused your prospect to read your sales piece in the first place. And, as, you know, maybe that's overstating a little bit, but if I have a problem that I'm really wanting to solve and somebody says, you know, I think I have a solution for you, I kind of do hear the angels singing. So <laughs> R is for your <laughs> R is just for you're just going to tell them that I think I have a solution for you. Hmm. Cool. Okay, yes. Oh, F is the story of the solution. So this is really, you know, and again, I go back to storytelling, and, and, and I do because it is such a powerful marketing tool. And this is where you tell the reader, if you are the founder and the owner of the company or, you know, you invented the product or the service, tell them what it was that made you um, come up with this solution. Maybe you were fat yourself and you had to come up with some sort of a dietary product because it was affecting your weight. Let them know, tell them your back-end story or your experience with the, uh, with the product. If you are not the founder, if you didn't invent it and you're just maybe you're the salesperson, then tell them your experience with the product or maybe your customer's experience with the product. But now is the time to tell your story. You told them that, hey, I think I have a solution. Let me back up for just a minute and tell you how this solution came into effect so that you really know that I understand what you're going through. I love it. I love it. That's so, that's so great. 
And in that story, do you um, do you begin the story anywhere in particular, or does it depend on the story? It depends on the story. I usually, when I'm writing for somebody, um, and I, I do it all the time, I have different ways of getting into it. I mean, I'm just writing uh, something right now for um, someone who has come up with a whole system for a, a better life. I mean, I'll just say a better life. It, it, you know, it's more than mm-hmm. that. And it started out in, um, you know, in her experience in Israel. And so I actually go back to that. And I talk about, mm-hmm. you, know, I, I, you know, when I was in Israel, this is how I was feeling. And, you know, I knew I had to turn things around. And so this is the training that I took. And, and now 25 years later, Here's where I am, and and I want to share this with you. So it puts, yeah. people buy from people. You want to let prospective customers know there's a person connected with this product, and that person yeah. is yeah. you, and you understand their problem because you had it or your mother had it or a friend had it or, you know, you saw something on television and it motivated you, whatever it was, that's going to bring it, that's going to bring it home to them. That's great. Yeah. So we've got P is problem, E is empathize, and R is revise reality, S is story, what is you? Well, you is unveil your offer. And this is where you tell people exactly what it is that you're offering. Um, and it's probably going to be the longest uh, section of this sales piece. And so, you know, as a checklist, this is a section where you go into benefits and the transformation in their lives. And remember, you're selling transformation. You're selling how their lives will change if they buy your product or your service or your workshop or whatever it is that you're selling, which is different from product features. Product features is if it's a product, it might be the color, the weight, the size. If it's a service, it might be, you know, how many personal phone calls you get or how many webinars there are. Those are product features, and those are good. You need to talk about them, but what you really want to talk about it's transformation in their lives. So going back to my example of a weight loss product, you know, um, that transformation is going to be you become more profitable, you, you get to wear all those clothes in the back of your closet, your, uh, your health is better, you know, and so forth and so on. That's what you're talking about. And, if you, and I usually say between those two, I would spend about 80% of my copy time on transformation, and about 20% on product features. You also want to include in this section how they get your product, um, and that's, you know, do they walk into a store? If so, what stores are there? If they go to your website, and if they go to your website, make sure they can find it on your website. I've seen it happen that people um, advertise their website and then you can't find the product on the website. Um, and now is the time that you want to talk about price. You've got to talk about pricing on this. And if you're offering any bonuses, this is where you're going to be talking about your bonuses. So unveiling offer is going to be the longest part in, your, in this whole sales copy. But if people have stayed with you to this point, they're going to read everything about your offer or about your product or service. Yeah, this I can see how this would be the longest point section. There's a yeah. lot to include in there. And one of the things that, I mean, it took me years to really get this through my head, the difference between features and benefits. Oh, um, I know. Everybody and, has and, trouble with that. Uh, yeah, it is. But because as the person doing the selling, you're all focused on the features. But the person that's doing the buying can't focus on the features until they know the benefits. And that's that's where it finally made sense to me is that in order for them to care about the features, they have got to know the benefits. <laughs> so I like if how we you... have time. If we have time, I have a great little exercise to get people to that, to get people to work through that, that I teach. Yeah, let's go ahead. And, yeah, let's 
Do you want to do, do it now? Do it right now? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Do it right okay. now. Okay, so what you do, I get, and I get people to do this in my workshops. What you do is, okay, you think about your whatever it is you're selling, and you write down every, every product feature that there is. And that's always easy for everybody. You know, I give people this and this and this and this, and you come up with five different things. And then you, after every one of those product features, you put three little dots. Okay, so you've got three little dots after all five features or six features or whatever it is. Then, after each one of those three little dots, you say, okay, how does this transform the buyer's lives? What is it that this does for the buyer? So you start from the feature and you say, what does this do for the buyer? How does this make them happy? How does it um, give them a better career? You know, whatever it is, and then you write down as many benefits, and we'll call them benefits or transformations as you can for every one of your product features. Then you go back and you look at all that and you see if there's any threads in there. And you may very well, for many of your product features, you may have some of the same benefits. And so you start to make categories of what the benefits are, and then you look at your benefits and you say, hmm, what is the number one thing, the number one benefit my buyers want or need? And want is, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but want is really more important than need. What is the number one thing my customers want? You put a big star next to that, and that's what you talk about in all of your topics. But you start out with your product features, put three little dots after each feature, and say how that feature transforms lives, and then see what's the most important transformation they can make in their lives, and that's what you talk about. <laughs> I love it. I really love your word usage of transforming because, I mean, you can't, you can't spend a whole lot of time on the color blue and think that that's going to be transformational. But you can talk about it being a soothing environment or, you know, whatever. Yep. I mean, it just changes the conversation and the transformation is easier to understand with the word benefits, I think. So that's really, uh-huh. that's really awesome. Okay. What does the A stand for? Okay. So at this point, you've gone through quite a bit and people are ready to buy. Almost. And there is one thing that may be standing in their way. You need, need to, A is for answer arguments. We all have, we, we buy based upon emotion. I mean, I, I think there's been enough written about that. A lot of people understand that. We buy from our hearts. We say, oh, gosh, I really want that. I, I, you know, and this is why I say want is more important than need. I really want that. But we all have logical minds that are kind of talking to us in the back there someplace, <laughs> right? So answering objections in a respectful manner in your sales copy helps readers relate to you, and it builds trust. Now, some marketers don't include this section, and I think it's a mistake. They think by not mentioning any objections, readers aren't going to think about them. Well, in the first place, that's not true. They probably are thinking about them. And even if they're not, it just it makes you seem more transparent. It makes you seem more trustworthy. And it's better to acknowledge the arguments and go ahead and answer them. And when I'm writing copy, I do it in a variety of ways. Sometimes I just weave it in, you know, and I don't make a big deal out of it. But sometimes, I, and I, I've done this fairly often, sometimes I will actually have a subhead. And I'll say, oh, and the subhead will read, okay, Claire, this sounds great, but... I got some problems with it. Problem number one, <laughs> and I write it, and then I answer it. <laughs> Problem number two, mm. and then I answer it. So you can do it in a variety of ways, but think to yourself, it's really important, think to yourself, okay, I've gone through all of this, and be honest, what could people, how could people, what could people possibly object to? and then answer it. Yeah. 
And well, I, I agree with you. I think it has to be. Yeah, it has to be addressed. It ha- it's going to be addressed in their mind whether you address it or not. You might as well be where- exactly. there with them. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and the thing is, is, and that's what will get somebody, you know, to not click on that link or pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just something, you know, oh, I better think about this. I'm just, I, you know, it sounds really good, but I'm going to mm-hmm. think about it. All right, uh, moving on to the D in Persuade. Well, if you have to answer uh, questions, you have to answer arguments, what do you need? You need data. And, you know, as I've said, some people still need data. They need, so, and there's a couple of techniques for this, um, and it's the, you know, how to answer those arguments. So, for instance, you could build a list of five bullets with the five different objections, which is basically what I just said, and then offer proof to the top, to those top five objections. It's just, you know, problem response, problem response. Or there's another technique that we call promise proof, promise proof, where you take every promise that you make, you have to go back and say, okay, what are all the promises I made? And then you offer proof, and then another promise, and another proof. And you keep going on that, so it, you, it almost becomes breathless. You know, the people just, just hardly have, they can hardly breathe, and they just go, okay, I'm sold, I got it. <laughs> is, this, uh, is the data part where case studies would come in? Yes, absolutely. Case, case, excuse me, case studies, testimonials, statistics, if you have them, you know, facts. Um, anything, anything that shows that other people like it and are using it and have had a good experience with it is very powerful. It's called, we call that social proof. And people like to be in a community. If they see that other people are enjoying something, then they want to get in on it. So if you have a specific objection that you think might be important to people, one of the ways you might answer that objection is this is the kind this is the kind of letter that we get from people all the time. And you know, Barbara from you know, Terre Haute, Indiana says, and so forth. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So we're spelling out, if you're just joining us, we're spelling out the word persuade here. And the P is problem, the E is emphasize, the R is revise reality, the S is story, U is unveil your offer, A is answer arguments, D is data. What is our E? E is enjoy. You have now Mm -hmm. taken people through everything. Readers who have stayed with you to this point usually don't need further persuasion, and you only need to invite them to make a decision. And sometimes I'll write a subhead. I'll just put in big words in the center. Now it's time for you to decide. You just ask them to fill out a form, enter a credit card, you know, click on the link, and then and enjoy a life transformed. That is awesome. Um, we are getting near to the end of our hour, and we have more content to cover. We're going to take a quick little break here and come back and talk about the secret to preconditioning readers to believe you fast, as well as why you need to use anchor pricing and what it is. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Claire. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Welcome back. This is Marty, and we are visiting today with Claire Stoddard on the topic of how to write cash-generating copies that sell. This hour has flown by. We're getting to the end of it here, but don't go away yet because we're going to talk next about the secret to preconditioning readers to believe you fast. 
Claire, as um, as we were talking earlier in the hour about, you know, grabbing people's attention, it's one thing to grab someone's attention, but it's another thing to lose it just as fast because they don't see anything they're worth sticking with. So uh, what what is it that we can do to help to precondition readers to believe us, to keep reading, to stick with us? Yeah. Well, this goes back to, again, it goes back to the psychology of persuasion. And what you want to do is build a bridge of belief. I call it building a bridge of belief. And so you think about, and the persuade acronym that I've just taken everybody through does exactly that. So if you start out a piece of sales copy, and this goes back to maybe a little bit to what you were saying, Marnie, about people like to start with something positive. And here's the problem with that, or it could be. If you start out with some great, big, huge, um, you know, unsubstantiated claim, like we make, you know, we have the most beautiful dresses in the world for sales. We have the finest restaurant in New York City. If you start out with this big, unsubstantiated claim, I mean, my reaction is, I'll be the judge of that. And the Mm -hmm. thing is, what happens is you insert through your writing by starting that a bit of doubt in your reader's mind. And when they start out with a bit of doubt, they carry it with them right through your sales piece. And it's awfully hard to get them to release that doubt, and you lose them. So what you want to do on this bridge of belief to get them to put that first step on the bridge is you want to give them something that they can immediately start nodding about, which is why I said at the very beginning, acknowledge their problem, acknowledge their pain. If you have a weight problem and you want to lose some weight, if I say to you right off the bat, are you tired of seeing all that fat in the mirror, you're nodding. And so what you want to do is you want throughout your entire sales piece, you want to get people to nod. You have got to get them to nod from the very beginning. And that is building your bridge of belief. And then you take them through you know, by giving them the, um, by giving them all the arguments, by explaining your offer, telling them exactly, you know, answering any objections they may have, until they get to the over here to the very end, and they buy from you. And so, I, I mean, I just happen to love this image of a bridge of beliefs. You know, walking straight across from somebody not knowing you, never heard of you, and frankly, don't care about you. But the very first thing that you say just resonates with them and they start nodding and then just, you know, you just keep walking them over that bridge and they're nodding the entire time until they get to the end and they click on your link. Yeah. And it's so important that your questions are leading to yes answers. You don't want to start with a pattern of <laughs> getting no answers from the very beginning. Exactly. You, know, you, just want, you need those yeses to keep coming all the way through the process. Yeah, it's the same with, you know, I think so much of this, um, we're talking today about writing cash-generating copy, but as as I do presentations, you know, uh, speaking, it's the same thing from the stage. You know, you really, you need to get them nodding and get them with you from the very beginning. Otherwise, you're actually creating uh, kind of a hostile environment to work in, and it's pretty tough to come back off of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once, once okay, they so, start shaking their head, they're gone. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them to go there and don't, definitely don't take them there. <laughs> okay, so anchor pricing. You you say you need to use anchor pricing. First of all, what is anchor pricing? Okay, this is a great little tactic. You remember under unveil your offer, I said, you know, this is the place where you put in your pricing. What anchor pricing is, the first price, that anybody hears is the price that they compare everything else to. So what I always do is I, if, when I get down to the part of I say, okay, here's what it's going to cost, I put it into some sort of perspective. So say that I've got a product that's, you know, $547, I don't know. 
And what I would start with, I, I might even say, let's put this into perspective. You know, normally this particular product would cost $1,000. Okay, that's the price everybody's going to hear. But for today only, it's $547. As opposed to either just saying it's $547 or even it's not as strong to say today it's $547, normally it would be $1,000. It is better to put the higher price first, and that's what we call the anchor price. Everything hmm. that every other price you say is anchored to that price, and that's what they compare it to. So I've got it in my head that this would cost $1,000. Oh, man, you just told me that it's only $547. Wow, what a bargain. Okay, I'm nodding now. So always put your anchor price, your high price, that you're not going to ask for first. Hmm. That's, a really, that's a really great tip. Um, <laughs> it's a great little not. not everybody knows, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's intuitive necessarily. So that's that's awesome. And the other mm-hmm. thing is, especially if it's um, if it's on a website, I know you know that not just give them one offer. If there's a way to break it down differently, like monthly payments or you know something like that, that is helpful too. What do you think about that? I agree with that. The other thing that I like to do is give them you know a couple of options. I don't don't give them too many because you you know you don't want people to have um, too them. many. Yeah. You don't want them to have to make too many choices. But if I'm doing a proposal, let's say, um, I will very often do, you know, two options. The high price, which I'm kind of assuming they're not going to take, but sometimes they surprise me. And then, you know, the lower price. But the lower Mm -hmm. price, you're still going to make money on it, and it's still a really good option. But put the higher price one first. Hmm. Awesome. That is is a tip of gold right there <laughs> that I can go apply mm-hmm. right away to my pages that I haven't been doing that way. Thank you so much for sharing that. And oh my goodness, thank you for sharing all of this. Our time is nearly done here. Claire, I want to make sure that people know how to find you. Um, your website is clairestoddard.com, I-R-E, and Stoddard is S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D.com. Claire, if people go over to your website, what are they going to find there? Well, they're going to find, um, first of all, uh, I would like them to sign up for my free download. And what they will get, if they will do that, if they just go to the right of my website, it says you will get free by signing up for it. You will get free my three best writing secrets that have made me money. You do have to give me your name and your email address, but you will get a free download for that. Um, And the other thing is I would really and truly like to, if somebody would just send me an email, claire at clairesoddard.com. If you would like to follow up on any of this that we just talked about, I would be happy to have a 15-minute complimentary consultation call with you and talk to you a little bit about your writing needs. Wow. Well, that's quite an offer. And um, you guys can find all this over at clairesoddard.com. And uh, be sure to check many, many great resources over there as well. So take some time and really look around and reach out to Claire um, if you have any writing needs or if you're just wanting to talk to her more about uh, your copy, and she can help you with that. Claire, again, thank you so much for being here. What a fun hour. You've shared great content today. Oh, this is just great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, and thank you all for being here. Hopefully you took good notes. If you joined us toward the end of the show, make sure to go back and listen to the whole thing. It started off right at the top with a great story about Bugs Bunny, and you're never going to forget that one, so be sure to tune in from the beginning. And for those of you who listen to the archive, thank you for that. Thank you for all of you who host this show on your website. If you're interested in doing that, just head over to Blog Talk Radio. And uh, you can find how to download that at the top of any page. It'll just say um, embed a player on your own station and or on your own website. And we just appreciate that so much. Thanks for those of you who listen at iTunes Stitcher and for those of you who carry the syndicate. I uh, appreciate having you with us. Always love to spend my Wednesday afternoons with you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. See you next time. Marnie's friends. Bye-bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.